Hello and welcome to Rules of the Frame. My name is Riley Hardy. And I'm Connor Reed. Yes, thanks for joining us today. This is the start of our new series. Yeah. We are talking about strange adaptations. Oh, yeah. With probably one of our favorite adaptations of all time. Uh, I, I mean, I don't know if I want to speak for Connor, but... How dare you say that on, on my podcast? How dare you say that to me? Here, I'll just let you host from now on. No, <laughs> no yeah, so we're talking about The Last Airbender, the adaptation mm. of the beloved Nickelodeon television yes. show. Not the amazing. 2005 to yeah. 2008, I believe. Yeah, yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah. And then this heaping pile of garbage. <laughs> yes. Who would have thought that M. Night Shyamalan was going to be the one to tackle the live adaptation of live yeah. action adaptation of this? What Who'd a have dud. Thought? I mean, that's crazy. Of but all this people. Was, yeah, for Ugh. real. This was, this was 2010. Yes. So he was coming right off of, was it The Happening? Uh, no, I think, did this come out before The Happening, or? Maybe it did. I think that, you're right, I think The Happening was 2011. I think so. So this came out, yeah, this came out 2010. And? This wasn't after The Village, there was something else. Yes, there was after The Village, then there was Lady in the Water. I mean, no, sorry, it was after, what was after Lady in the Water? Uh, oh no, you're right, it was The Happening, then The Last Airbender. Okay, gotcha, that's what I thought. Yeah. So, he just doesn't seem like the kind of guy to do adaptations. Like, no. What's up, Minaj? This was his first adaptation, right? Mm-hmm. I think it was. Yeah. And yeah, because he's a screenwriter. Like he's written most of his movies, and mm-hmm. um, that's probably where he's most criticized. Uh, right. With all, which he should be. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but with an adaptation of. The Last Airbender, or Avatar, The Last Airbender, a TV show that is beloved for its merging story. of several tones all together. Story, humor, heart. Characters. It merges all these things so well. And This doesn't do is, any just, of it. <laughs> he, he strikes out in all counts. <laughs> but, mm. yeah, he's not known for doing anything like that you know, like that no. kind of show. And so I don't know who approached him. Well, I think he approached Nickelodeon about it, I guess. But I think anyway. so. Yeah. yeah. Should we get into the synopsis, I guess? Yeah, go ahead and take it away. Oh, okay. So <laughs> you start off with, like, what? okay, first critique. Why didn't they just use, like, the actual intro, the actual voiceover, like, or at least the actual dialogue or not dialogue but like story setup that they just, say in there yeah in the tv right. show for the movie because they don't i mean they basically no. just say oh there's an avatar who can control all four elements oh he disappeared fire nation attack and then you see Sokka and katara sliding across the ice and then they see a big sphere and knock it open then there's Ang inside of it, or Ong, I guess, as they say. Ong, as they say in this movie. Which uh, we sh- should we try and refer to it as Ong the whole time? I don't know if I can. <laughs> oh. But, so they find him in there, and then bring him back to their village, and then the Fire Nation attacks, captures him, brings him back to their ship. They 
kind of interrogate him, find out he's the Avatar, and then he escapes and Sokka and Katara ride his flying bison to him. And then um, and you just kind of just get like these like random cut togethers like back and forth between Prince Zuko, who is like part of the Fire Nation, and Aang and Katara and Sokka. And so Aang and Katara and Sokka go to one of the air temples because Aang wants to see his friends. And Katara and Sokka don't have the heart to tell him that they're all dead. And he goes there and sees their bones and goes into um, the spirit realm for the first time. And then Prince Zuko just kind of follows him around for a bit. And yeah, it's basically just a big chase. They get captured in like an earth village and start like a little uprising there. And then go to, what is it, the Northern Water Tribe? Uh, Yeah, because they're from the Southern Water Tribe. So yeah, they go to the North. Right. And then Zuko is in like kind of like a competition with another general from the Fire Nation uh, to try Admiral Zhao, yeah, to try and see who can capture the Avatar first or the Avatar, and (laughs) so it just kind of comes to this climactic battle where the Fire Nation attacks Northern Water Tribe, and then Aang is able to go into the Spirit State and build a big wall of water, which scares away all the Fire Nation ships, and that's it. End of book one. <laughs> God, we were gonna get more. two more of these. <laughs> oh, what a nightmare! What were your two words? Let, oh. Just lay it on me. We... Missing emotion. Okay. Yeah, just because there's none of that, and the show is so emotional. Like that was the first show I watched as a kid, where I like really got emotionally attached to the characters. Like I, mm-hmm. I loved Aang and Katara and Sokka and Toph and Zuko and Iroh and all of these fantastic, wonderfully built characters. And even like the side characters, there's just so much depth to them and so you much know, emotion Jet. in it. Jet. Yeah. Jet is a yeah. great example in there. And UA and Suki. Suki. Yeah. Suki. That's right. Yeah. She's a great character. Yeah. She's awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Even kind of May too you kind of whenever yeah i actually yeah i enjoy uh azula's troop they're entertaining (laughs) except for azula she's the worst yeah one of my favorite episodes is when they go to that party this is near the end this is like maybe four episodes Mm -hmm. away from the finale and and they just go to the party and azula is like trying to mingle and oh guys and like maybe go out on a date or something yeah i will destroy you together we will rule the world (laughs) (laughs) and that's really funny that uh that show is just full of really good characters and Mm -hmm. with a tv show you have more time to develop the characters yeah Um, but there's none of that in this you can build up like love for characters in an hour and a half or two hours especially but like i oh yeah by the end of it, I was like, there's no reason for me to like any of these characters. Yeah. And, yeah, and the runtime is only an hour 47, I think. Right. And, like, why? I mean, if you're adapting a whole book, then, come on, like, add another 30 minutes or something. I mean, right. an hour 45 is considered probably, I don't know, maybe below average for the average Hollywood movie. I don't mm. know. It's You would think they would have put some more stuff in there which yeah. i heard there were actually 30 minutes that paramount cut out because they wanted to um adapt it to 3d and so they just kind of rushed huh. it along 
So who oh, knows what happened to those 30 minutes? Maybe that was like the saving was... grace of the movie. <laughs> Maybe. I doubt Maybe it. Maybe those were the Oscar moments. Yeah, the one <laughs> the 30 minutes where they actually pronounce the names right and have good characters. <laughs> yeah. My two words were cold-hearted betrayal. Because <laughs> <laughs> Shyamalan just betrayed all that was holy in, <laughs> in the world of Avatar. In the Avatar realm. <laughs> and... <laughs> Just yeah, Avatar realm, and it's just so. It's almost so funny how he got into this show uh, because of his daughter. Mm-hmm. His daughter loved the show, right? And I just feel so bad for her that she has to grow up knowing that her dad her. killed Avatar, he ruined it, he ruined it, and that's just that's really funny to me that she, she's <laughs> always going to have fault. that. <laughs> yeah, I, just, I wonder what their conversations about that movie has been that would just be right do you think her friends just like disowned her oh gosh yeah but i just don't understand his thought process behind the movie because he missed everything i mean he missed he just he missed the heart he missed the the soul i Mm -hmm. mean the action sequence i mean everything like there's not a single it's like pretty much you just saw the characters on the screen and it's like, oh, that's Katara, that's Aang, that's Appa. And they're doing things Barely. that slightly resemble the plot of the TV show that I loved. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he just he just betrayed everyone. Because this, I do believe that a good Avatar, the last Airbender movie, can exist. I believe it can. Right. But this was not it. No, not even This was even not the movie. Close. Not the movie we wanted. Yeah. I didn't see it in theaters. I wasn't even in, I, mean, I hadn't, I didn't see the show until high school. Okay. Uh, and well, it would have been late high school because I went to high school from '09 to '13. But mm. so uh, yeah, I didn't watch. I didn't watch the movie until late college. Oh really? I loved this show as a kid. We didn't have cable in my house, and so I like every time I went over to my friends' houses, we'd always just watch Avatar. And so I didn't see it oh, like nice. from beginning to end until net. It, like I put on Netflix. I think my freshman year of high school mm. and so i just yeah. saw like bits and pieces but i like knew what happened like i saw the last episode whenever it came out like we my friends had this huge viewing party for it it was so much oh, fun oh, and then great. just like all these other you know different episodes as well and you know this is like the show that like everyone in my school loved it was mm. just like the universal thing that brought us together and wow to have m night come in and rip that apart from us <laughs> he betrayed all of us <laughs> betrayed us all oh. man did you but did you see like trailers and stuff and were you kind of excited about it because you were aware of the I was world super you had seen pumped. the show at that point and i i hadn't yeah. yeah and they did so much like promotional stuff from it and they showed like all of like the cool shots in it where it's all of the bending scenes mm-hmm. and i was like wow this looks amazing and i didn't go and see it in theaters yeah, the money shots. but like all of my friends did and they're like that was like the worst movie i've ever seen <laughs> Because it, this movie is frequently on lists of worst movies ever made. So, no exaggeration. Right. Well, Which is so crazy, because this is, like, one of the best, like, TV stories I've ever seen. Yeah. How can I believe you this screw is it up best, this badly? I, I believe this is the best television show created for kids ever made. I, yes. I believe that. Yeah. Um, it's just incredibly ridiculous how contrasted the movie is from the show. Like, right. Just oh, so much. But mm. and this was his biggest 
this was his biggest budget film, I think, to date, right? Yeah. I'm not sure what the budget was on it, but I mean, it was Nickelodeon. It was a big movie studio film. Yeah. But, yeah, they cast uh, a martial artist. So it was a young Noah Ringer was his name. And, he, you know, he was already trained in martial arts, which was really important that all of the actors know. Or, well, right. not, not all of them, but I think just maybe it was just him that was trained. Yeah, he just sent in, like, a video where he was doing, like, a couple moves or something, and he had the tattoo on him, and they're like, oh, yeah, we should cast him. Yeah. I like the tattoo. Do you like the tattoo? I think the tattoo is cool. I, I like the I intricate design. Because yeah, I did think about that. It's like, well, in the show, it's just blue. You know, you don't see, mm-hmm. is it a solid blue? Or, you know, what kind of design is it? But they, for the movie, they actually kind of created a cool design. And I thought that was a cool touch. Right. But, that Which, it's uh, like, that's the one good thing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, we'll write that but down on the He's not an pros. actor. Like, he doesn't no. have, like, the charm or wit of Aang at all. Mm-hmm. Or kind of, like, the clumsiness. He's, like, way too serious. Yeah, he doesn't have a, a fun spirit spiritedness about him and energy he, he lacks yeah. energy because ang is very you know bopping around he's always talking real fast high spirited you know and he's not doing that in this movie yeah i know and i was thinking towards the end of the movie that this would be so much better if there was you know just a scene or parts of the movie where he used his air scooter because that would have been awesome yeah the air scooter would be cool we do get his glider though yeah. What the heck? It's in he. It's computer generated. I know. It looks so Why bad. Why did they do that? <laughs> Gosh. Gosh. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. There's so much wrong just with but like. I actually his think character the, the best well. performances from this movie are from. Uh, this is all relative, obviously, but Katara, I think, was of of all of the main characters. I think she does one of the better jobs, which is interesting because Dev Patel is in this movie, who I think is is the best actor probably out of all these guys. But even his performance is very over the top. There's just so much wrong with Aang's character. Like, they miss all of the good aspects about him. I mean, he kind of has, like, some of the bold heroism to him, but just everything else. (laughs) Yeah, he's just very... I mean, just the look on his face, it's almost like he's looking past the characters. Mm -hmm. I don't know. (laughs) He's not even... It's not a focused performance. He's just kind of all over the place, which could be attributed to the fact that he's... Not an actor. Right, not an actor. And even just, like, there was, like, no chemistry between him and Katara. And part of the draw of, like, the first season is, like, how much he is, like, into her. And, like, she just, like, doesn't, like, notice it at all. And, like, that's, like, where most of the charm comes from. Yeah, and they don't really... I mean, they didn't really play into their like romantic relationship in this movie it didn't really exist at this point no Um, but yet they do Sokka and Yue's that's true they do theirs (laughs) which is crazy super flat as well there's like no good actors in this I mean Dev Patel kind of does a good job as Prince Zuko like Dev is a Mm -hmm. good actor but is he right for Zuko I don't know probably not I don't know. I, he wasn't... It's just hard to like... I always just want to put the blame on one person. That's in right. right. Yeah. <laughs> that's fair. Yeah. Yeah, it is kind of fair. Because his lines were pretty similar to the lines from the show. I mean, Zuko's lines originally were always pretty I mean, simple. And you can only really deliver them a few ways. But right. I don't know. Yeah, Dev Patel is a good actor. I think mm-hmm. he's talented. 
but yeah, I don't think I don't know if he fits the role. I don't know if he has. And the thing about Zuko is he's a he's very confident, but there's always just a hint of not confident of right of lacking confidence because or of unstableness maybe mm-hmm. uncertainty uh, he doesn't have a firm yeah uncertainty he doesn't have a firm foundation and that's part of what the show is about is him getting that but right uh, but yeah he's because he comes off very aggressive in his pursuit of the avatar mm-hmm. and i think he kind of i think dev patel kind of does some of that but yeah there's just this little uh, hint of uncertainty in his character that i don't know if he quite he quite gets right he's too stern in this one like he's more i mean he's out to prove himself in the tv show but in this but even in that in the tv show he like struggles and he's like oh but my father is the one who is like rejected me and you know burned me and Mm -hmm. and yet in this it's just like no i'm gonna do everything i can to like stop it and there's like not really that kind of compassionate side for him that's like why he's so good in the tv show and why you like end up really liking him by the end of it yeah zuko is one of my favorite characters from the show Um, right and it's during it's his payoff in the end and obviously there's going to be spoiler we're going to talk spoilers from the show probably right yeah oh yeah i don't know but just his payoff in the end where he he just he realizes he doesn't need his father in order to restore Mm -hmm. his honor he doesn't need to make him happy that his payoff is one of the more emotional parts for me yeah and and so that's one thing that is crucial for that whole show is is Zuko's performance, I think. Dante Bosco, man, he's great. Yeah, Dante's great. And even just like how there's like the switch where it's like Azula is like the proud one who is like in the good graces of her father. And then by the end of it, her and Zuko's character arcs have kind of like switched and like the needing to like mm-hmm. prove themselves and like the fall that kind of comes right. with that and it's mm-hmm. awesome. Obviously, the whole battle that everyone's looking forward to in the end is, you know, the Fire Lord and the Avatar. But I, the mo- the more emotionally charged one is between Zuko and Azula. Yes, I think, I think that one is so packed with with just the history of them as siblings. Mm-hmm. Like this is where their lives have brought them, and and Zuko is back on the right side. He's just so sure of himself now, and he can he can take her. Because Azula is right. pretty freaking powerful, you know? Yeah. And she's kind of a prodigy in, in bending. And Zuko's always been good. But mm-hmm. at that point, he learns, you know, the true origins of firebending. She's better, but he can he's smarter. But anyway, none of this is in the movie. Kind of yeah. Off track, but. <laughs> nope. You see, like, Azula in the end credits, and that's it. Right. Wait, is it at the end of the credits or is it right before? Or, like, right before the credits, yeah. Yeah, I think that's what it is. <laughs> And, like, is it just me or is Ozai not intimidating at all? Like, whenever he came oh, on no. screen, I was like, oh, wait, that was him? <laughs> what? Yeah, his, I mean, well, obviously the TV show, you have voice actors, and so they're right. They're already going to embellish things. And so mm-hmm. Which that was Mark like Hamill, right? It's Mark Hamill, yeah, exactly. But, yeah, the, whoever played the Fire Lord, I don't even know who that actor was, but yeah, his presence was not felt. No. He was so forgettable. Yeah, extremely forgettable. Like, what happened to the huge fire palace? Like, that would have been awesome to see. Yeah. It's like you can't even hardly see the Fire Lord. You just see his outline, you know? Yeah. It's not until, like, I think, like, the second season, whenever Zuko goes back to him. Or is it the end of the first season when he goes back to him that you actually see him? Um, That's a good question. He goes, because 
there's a turning point. There's a couple turning points, I guess, for mm-hmm. for Zuko, but because um, he kind of warms up to the Avatar crew a right. little bit team, to Team Avatar, but team then, Avatar. Uh, but then he makes a choice and he, you know, he turns he turns on him again. And at that point, he's like welcomed back by his father and sits at his right hand and mm-hmm. helps them, you know, plan the war. I don't know where I was going with that. <laughs> um, yeah, the fire, seeing the Fire Lord. Right, seeing the yeah, so he, that's I guess kind of the first. Well, it's him reconciling, and then later he comes back to him during the day of Black Sun, mm. which which was where they can't bend anymore because of the yep um, where they were the supposed eclipse. to take Ozai down. Holy crap! I love the scene where Ozai shoots fire at Zuko. Mm. Just the whole way that scene is constructed, and yeah, the lightning, just the whole the color palette of that scene, and then oh, it's Zuko redirecting that lightning right back at him oh that's great man i can talk yeah. about why can't we just talk about the tv <laughs> show instead of the movie for the show yeah, <laughs> yeah. screw this talking movie about the show yeah <laughs> <laughs> oh anyway yeah uh who else was in this movie casting people uh, what's the name of that guy who played admiral Zhao? he's in a lot of I things i don't know he's in spider-man 2 he's the pizza guy he owns the pizza oh no he's way. A, he owns pizza that pizza joint. i don't know the actor's name but me neither. But that is also a strange choice. Yeah. Like, why? Yeah. He's he just doesn't. No one fits their role. That's like one of the main yeah. issues with this. Like usually, M Night Shyamalan's really good at casting characters, and with this yeah. one, he just totally falls flat. There's not a single character in here where you look at him and you'd be like, "Oh yeah, that's Katara. Oh, that's Sokka. Oh, that's mm-hmm. Zuko." I don't understand. Well, because the casting process is pretty involved with lots of lots of people, right? I mean, they have mm-hmm. casting directors. Which I assume Shyamalan works with, but somebody just really screwed the pooch on this movie. I mean, yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, they were originally going to have Jesse McCartney be Zuko. I know. Did you know that? Yep. Yeah. Gosh, that, it's like, where's Jesse McCartney been, and why would why were they yep. thinking about him? Oh my god! Dang it! That was also one of my trivia questions. Oh, <laughs> all right. Ah, I just I also have to say. Why are Sokka and Katara white? Yes. Doesn't make any yeah, sense. That's right. I don't, yeah. And you know, this this movie is, or this world is kind of a, I mean, it's a fictional world, strongly right. influenced by Eastern culture. Exactly. So it's not like there's, like these people were supposed to be uh, Japanese or something like that, or they're supposed mm. to be Inuit for the... Like the right. tribes, people. I don't know for the water uh, tribes. So that wasn't like set in stone, but even so, in that area, you would think they would have cast more. Yeah, they wouldn't be looking like the people they casted. I mean, no, Ameri- they wouldn't look American or anything like that. No, think. or at least pick good actors. <laughs> yeah, let's start there. <laughs> Jeez, um, they're so bad. So- like, what is up with Sokka? Jackson Rathbone or something is his yeah. name. And he's in the Twilight series. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, he is not funny in this movie. The, no. the great thing about Sokka in this show is that he's extremely funny, comedic relief, but he's also, yeah. but he is also smart. He's a smart leader. Mm-hmm. And he gets even smarter and he becomes like a great warrior, you know? Right. Because he has and to, because he doesn't, he can't bend. Exactly. Yeah. And he does make up for it. Like, he's a valuable part of their team. He's right. I mean, he's kind of the 
leader of Team Avatar almost. I mean, well, you yeah. can, Aang is, I guess, but... Aang's like the powerhouse, though. Aang's the driving force. Yeah, but like in this, Sokka's like angstier than Zuko is. What's going yeah, on there? Know. And he's just stupid. Like, there's he's a scene of him. <laughs> there's a scene of him, like... Whenever they found Appa, and they're just, he's like wandering around po- poking and prodding Appa. Yeah. And then, like, Appa's that? tail lifts up and, like, lands on him. And Sokka's like, oh, he's trying to eat me. He's eating me. <laughs> oh, what a moron. <laughs> Your body, that's his tail, you idiot. <laughs> <laughs> and I, there's, like, all these points throughout the movie where it's like Katara would come in, and I was like, oh, yeah, I forgot she's in this movie. She, her character's like, <laughs> Not important at all. No. She, well, she does teach Aang a little bit of waterbending. Barely. A I mean, bit. which. So there's like one scene of that. It doesn't really help him out because he just uses like the spirit world to make the wall. Yeah. He, well, he's in Avatar State, right? Yeah. yeah. It's so ridiculous. The characters in this are just horrendous and. Yeah. Cringeworthy. <laughs> so cringeworthy. Op, nah, yeah. Appa sounds like he's going to die like every single time he's flying. Just like, oh. <laughs> just the it's just easier to design those characters on a computer but it just does not look realistic and it's well what is realistic for a flying bison i guess but but his (laughs) face what is wrong with his face it's horrifying (laughs) if i saw that like i wouldn't want it near me right (laughs) it's a pretty terrifying creature (sighs) but yeah i mean those are characters are are a big part of this it's like why did he make the choices he made right one of the ones that actually frustrates me the most is Uncle Iroh. He, yeah, he's probably my favorite character in the show. I yeah. love Iroh, and they mm-hmm. don't capture his character at all. He almost seems like more Fire Nation in this than in the show. Where in in the show he's just kind of like, oh, I'm for peace, but in right. this he's like, no, I'm for the Fire Nation and for helping Zuko, you know, ascend to the throne and. Yeah, he has this hint of mystery about him, but it's kind of like this, you don't know what to think of him and is uncertain, mm-hmm. which I don't know why that, I don't know why they're trying to come off that way. He kind mm-hmm. of seems almost evil in a way. Yeah, um, and he doesn't look anything like the character. <laughs> no, he doesn't. Yeah, he doesn't. He's supposed to be a little pudgy, supposed to be overweight, mm-hmm. he's supposed to look older. Mm-hmm. Drink lots um, of tea. Yeah, they didn't mention tea at all in this, <laughs> did they? That's like Iroh's driving force, is to get more it tea. <laughs> yeah. Should we talk about some differences? Well, okay. everything. <laughs> There's just no semblance of any of the characters in this. And that's, like, so frustrating. Like, I can I can handle the mispronunciation of names. I can handle the... I know that was ironic. And I can handle... (laughs) (laughs) Nice, Connor. (laughs) (laughs) The crappy CGI and just everything looking unrealistic. Mm -hmm. But just have the characters in there. That's that's what brings people into the show. I mean, yeah, the bending is cool and all that. But if there isn't any substance to it, it's just going to be a bunch of flair and nothing engaging. Because even the TV show... Well, I did really enjoy the animation, but like especially in the first few episodes, it was pretty rough. You know, it, it wasn't super. It was very much pilot material. You know, kind mm. of we're still figuring out how we want to do this. But you, but that doesn't matter because the story is so interesting and they portray the characters so well. Right. You know, which those are the more most important things. Mm-hmm. 
and all these characters just kind of like melded together and it's like you couldn't really tell the difference between them and that's why like the show is so great is because everyone is so individualistic in it and it's like yes that is that character's you know defining piece about themselves and this and this and this and there's none of Mm -hmm. that like all these characters are so forgettable yeah oh my gosh yeah so forgettable yeah why did they choose to change aspects of how bending works because firebenders need to have fire already created in order to bend fire in the movie yeah like why would they do that i don't understand i think it was just for like the the scene at the end whenever iroh's in in there and just start shooting fire and then they all run away and there's the one guy who's like he's making fire out of nothing yeah (laughs) it's just for the payoff of that one line There's there's no reason for it and we're not supposed to see Iroh being, well, do we see, well, I forget that this is, yeah, because that is the moment where Iroh does kind of show a lot of his power. Yeah, he so... like shoots the fire out of his hands and out of his mouth and all that. But yeah, I'm thinking, I'm thinking of the TV show. I think that is also the moment where he does that. Yeah. Dragon of the West. Dragon of the West. Oh, Iroh's amazing. He is amazing. Yeah. The bending, <laughs> can you imagine how awkward it would have been filming all the bending scenes? Hey. Like, <laughs> Oh, even just watching it and having the effects kind of swirl around them, it's still just like, oh, this is super cringy. Yeah, that I think is a huge reason of why this movie doesn't work is mm-hmm. the physics are really inconsistent. Right. Uh, of how it works. They didn't uh, they didn't set the rules for the game for how they were going to do this on screen. Mm-hmm. There's like a moment where nine earthbenders are like are stomping doing their together wacky dance and then you see this small little piece of rock floating across the screen like it took nine of you to move like a stupid by rock one, by one piece of earth like what I mean, it's ridiculous it's and, so dumb yeah Gosh. and it's like it's super unclear about what how you're supposed to move your body to make things happen it's like oh if i you know, stomp three times, wave my arms in a circle, and then point in this direction, then the rock's going to move that way. But, and it's just really undefined. Mm-hmm. And even the way they show it, it's it's like it's on screen. It's like it's happening too long. Mm-hmm. If, it, if they did it quicker, and if they, usually I don't say do more cuts, but right. I honestly feel like more cuts would have been helpful here mm-hmm. to just make it happen faster. Yeah. It's like the longer it's on screen, the more you're, critically analyzing it and then the less real it feels right it's like you don't need to see a whole vaudeville act to move a stupid pebble no (laughs) it's a good way to put it it's so dumb everything is just idiotic about it and you can tell he's like kind of trying to be artistic with it as well it's like oh i'm gonna do these big sweeping camera movements where you see like one element go towards another and then they just combat Mm -hmm. it but it's like so boring yeah nothing is happening except silly dance stuff he's not accomplishing what he wants to accomplish yeah and i was also think of the scene uh when they're when iroh and zuko are showing ang the toys Mm -hmm. to see if he's the avatar i guess um and then he like the way ang escapes that scenario is just so weird just like hops on over him he like does a hop and then you see his hand touch the table and then the guy's shoulders and then he just lands there. Right. And then does this weird... and Oh, and pushes himself back with the air. Pushes was... himself back and closes. Just the way that looked was not... It was... I don't know. It's hard to describe exactly. 
it took too long. He should have done that a lot faster. Right. And it's weird how like all of the elements um, or like fire, air and earth, they have to do like a whole dance for it. And like that just takes forever. But all like Katara has to do is just kind of like wave her arms around a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just like twiddle your hands. Woo. I can make some water float. Yeah. And in the, sh- in the show, uh, each of the bending styles were very different because they were based on different forms of either Kung Fu or Tai Chi, different mm-hmm. forms of martial arts. Mm-hmm. And so they looked very distinct. Distinct. Yes. Yeah, that was not really the case for the movie. No. Um, it all just kind of blends together. Mm-hmm. Right. And it's not interesting. Like, it's not visually interesting at all the way they do it. And there's no... It doesn't, like, they. you can... Like I was saying earlier, you can tell he's trying to be artistic, but it doesn't look artful, is the weird part about it. Mm-hmm. Especially the whole scene whenever Aang and Katara are just doing that, like, weird dance routine, and you're just like, what is going on? Like, towards the end, <laughs> <and> like, okay, <laughs> are they actually going to start bending stuff soon? And Yeah. But it looks so cheesy and so weird. They're, like They just look like goofballs on screen. <laughs> they look like they're idiots. Just, the pre- <laughs> they don't have... They're, the suspense of disbelief isn't there. They just look like characters who are told to wave their arms, mm-hmm. or, or actors told to wave their arms in this direction. They just there's not a sense of this is an established world and I'm in it, and there's right. just this lack of reality. And you can tell like Noah kind of has it together where he looks probably the most natural with it because he has that background. But everyone mm-hmm. else just looks so clumsy, and you're like, "What are you doing?" Yeah. Like, it's just clumsy. Yeah, weird. That's a great way to put it. Yeah, I think this movie is interesting for a couple ways. Is well, lots of ways. But normally, we want movies to to show us what's happening. Mm-hmm. But I feel like this movie almost shows too much of certain areas, and then in some things, like we don't get hardly anything. Right. I think we get too much bending in this movie. Yes. Yes. And the, I think bending. the tricky part about it, too, and this is a really hard thing to handle in, like, sci-fi and fantasy movies, anything where there's, like, this element where it could look really silly or it could look, like, really cool. Like, Lord of the Rings does it really well of, like, yeah, you know, of just making everything seem natural. Like, yes, the characters know, like, how to sword fight and just, and Gandalf mm-hmm. knows how to use spells. But then I feel there's always this moment in the um, the Battle of the Five Armies, the third Hobbit film, whenever oh, um, <laughs> uh, they're all facing um, like Galadriel, Gandalf, and Saruman, and uh, are, are all facing off against like the Nazgul, and they're like kind of yeah. just like throwing like spells around and all that. And I was watching, and I was like, this just kind of looks like adults playing make-believe right now like i i just don't know how you could have done that seriously in the moment yeah and it's like they do it so well for lord of the rings and it's like what was it that changed it where it's just like oh this just looks weird it is a hard thing to put your finger on because Mm -hmm. it's 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 a guttural response it's a it's a response deep within you emotional and you don't it's hard to rationalize it it's like why does that look so silly yeah (laughs) yeah you know sometimes you you can point out right right away what it is sometimes you can't Mm-hmm. But yeah, I think for me the just the portrayal of of bending was they showed us too much of the bending and it was it was too long. It needed to be quicker and faster. I think that mm-hmm. would have helped it out. Um, and 
they didn't build the world by sh- like there was the narration. Can we talk yeah. about the narration and how dumb Jeez. that was? Yeah. The narration is you have to be careful when you do it because mm-hmm. we're not reading books. We're watching a movie. Right. And we want to be shown and not told. Yeah. Right? Exactly. Uh, and I think a great example, I mean, we just, you just mentioned Lord of the Rings. I think that's a great example of a movie that does some narration uh, really effectively. And it does build mm-hmm. a lot in the in the first part of the movie. I'm trying to think of how long that sequence was where we're learning everything. It's but, like nine minutes, I think. Yeah. But that's great because you get, because yes, it's narration telling, they're telling you the history, but you're also seeing it on screen at the same time. So I, th- I think right. that movie did it really well. This movie, we just like they were just walking along a shore as they were narrating, and yeah, it's like it was not accomplishing. Mm. I mean, it was purely it was just telling you what happened, but it was not interesting. Right? Yeah, this is ugh, man. I just don't know. It, like it can, yeah, voiceover can be very well done. It can often be used as a crutch in films just to kind of explain a part that might be kind of difficult to portray through action. But it's like there's ways to you can that where you can show it in the action, and there's ways mm-hmm. or parts where voiceover is essential. Like Goodfellas is a great example of voiceover. You know where you just have mm. the main characters like inner dialogue going on while he's just kind of experiencing all these things because like he's kind of supposed to be this flat, emotionless character, and yet like the interior of himself is like the voiceover saying like, "Oh no, this is actually like how it was and how I was feeling and." Yeah. It's it, that's a brilliant way of doing it. Yeah, that is creative. And whenever we mention yeah, voiceover narration, I also always think of Arrested Development. It's a TV yes. show, but <laughs> I, it's hard to imagine that show without that. You know, mm. it's it takes on a whole different tone and feel uh, with Ron Howard, either leading you in the wrong direction or telling you what they're actually thinking. It's because right. they really play with that a lot. And this film did not do it well. Right. Or even Barry Lyndon too, where you have the yeah, that's narration right. of thinking. that, where yeah. it it kind of like warns you whenever something is about to happen, or like you mm-hmm. get the ending of the movie like twenty minutes before the movie is actually over, and like they you know where they say the outcome of the character, and you're like, oh, and and yet it seems to fit perfectly. Although <laughs> one thing I will give credit for to M Knight in this movie is he finally figured out what frame rate you're supposed to use for filming slow motion sequences. <laughs> Cause he always has like slow motion scenes in all of his movies and it's always at the wrong frame rate. Like it's kind of like just barely jarring. Really? So what other movies I'm, I'm not familiar with. It's just with. like these subtle, these subtle moments where I don't think whenever they're filming, he was planning on having it be in slow motion, but yet he slows mm-hmm. it down. Like spoilers for this moment. Um, in signs whenever uh, Mel Gibson's character is holding his son whenever he, he's having the asthma attack at the end and then like holds him up and like whenever he takes in the breath of air that like you know proves that he's still alive you just kind of see Mel's face like moving around and it's like just a slow motion shot or there's also mm-hmm. like a running scene in the village whenever one of the characters is being pursued um I can't remember oh, right. some of the other ones, but there's just he just always has these strange slow motion sequences that doesn't necessarily seem like it needs to be there, and you can tell he's like he was like watching cut and he's like, oh yeah no let's do that in slow motion and they're like, um, <laughs> I mean it's gonna look weird but yeah that's interesting but aren't there different kinds of slow motion 
because mm-hmm. like I'm I think of a moment in Blade Runner uh, where wow, what's the guy's name? Uh, Roy Batty, that's oh, his name. Mm-hmm. You know, he's sitting in the rain, and it's kind of in the last moments of the movie. That's kind of in slow motion, but it's not. It's kind of choppy. Um, and I think like it's, whenever it's kind of supposed. Spoiler: Whenever he dies yeah. and like the right. the dove flies away, yeah, right. that's that's why because it probably wasn't filmed at like a higher frame rate, right? But don't you think that's kind of an effect and it's supposed to look like that? Yeah, I mean, I think yeah. it can work for things, but at least for me, it's very noticeable whenever movies do that. Yeah, and it kind of throws me out of it. I gotcha. Mm-hmm. Interesting. I actually kind of do like some of those scenes, and mm-hmm. I feel like I've seen them in others, but. Um, yeah, I mean, he did slow motion well in this. Yeah. I mean, I, yeah, I, I wasn't, I liked it. That one long shot where it's just kind of the side tracking shot of Aang at the end. That's actually a pretty cool scene whenever mm-hmm. he's like flipping over like all the guys and using all the different elements to fight them off. Yeah. That's a pretty awesome scene. Right. So. I agree. Some saving grace there. Yeah. Which is interesting <laughs> to see uh, Shyamalan do an action movie because that's not really what his films are. He like, he even has a superhero movie as his, one of his earlier films. And yet it's not like an action movie at all. And no, there's yeah. like one fight scene in it, I think. Right. Mm-hmm. You're right. This so, movie was just so out of his uh, wheelhouse. Yeah. And he tries way. to like play into it more whenever he does like after earth, like you can tell he's like, Okay, I kind of I kind of messed it up on this one, but I'm going to get it better with this. And he doesn't. That's also a horrendous movie. <laughs> oh, do I need to see that one? No. Is it worth seeing? It's not. Okay. <laughs> Unless if you just want to see Jaden Smith whine for an hour and a half. Right. I've seen clips. Yeah. I've seen that. I'll just stick with that. Yeah. That's all you need. But, you know, normally a, a common criticism of Shyamalan is that he's not a very good screenwriter mm. but he's a like he gives good direction and he knows how to direct a movie yes. well and i would agree with that i think that's true oh yeah but like where were his directing skills during this movie <laughs> i don't know absent <laughs> yeah if you had told me this movie didn't have a director i would have believed you <laughs> it didn't have one that's funny <laughs> there's just none of it like there's no Oh, there's no consistency in like blocking or like character structure or even like the acting is so it's so different in so many parts. Like you can tell like none of the actors really know their characters and yeah. they don't know like how to be positioned well. Like and mm-hmm. this movie is like surprisingly has surprisingly bad cinematography for the guy who was the cinematographer for the Lord of the Rings. Right. That's right. Andrew Lesney. Andrew Lesney, yeah. Man. He's great. That is, this movie is shot so horribly. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, there's a specific scene when Aang is talking to Katara and Sokka, and it's just over the shot, or oh, sorry, over the shoulder, over the shoulder, and they just keep uh, it's the conversation. Mm. But like Aang is so zoomed in on his face. Yeah. Where you're, you just see like the kind of middle of his forehead to just like barely on his chin. Yes. And it just goes back and forth between Aang and and talking guitar they're having a conversation it just goes back and forth like that but they're just way too close on his face it's so weird way too close it doesn't those two shots don't match right and i'm like andrew lesney should know better than that he should <laughs> he should i could have shot Definitely. that scene better yeah. anyone 
yeah <laughs> anyway. gosh oh my gosh i wonder like how much of this was also just like a uh, quote-unquote studio movie where like the producers kind of swooped in and were like hey you know this is actually what we're gonna do to make this more appealing yeah. to audiences and you right. know but yeah, it, you kind of wonder how, how much of that was there right but it kind of seems like m night had his hand in it as well yeah i mean he had uh what was so bef- right before this he did was it the village the happening uh i thought the happening was after didn't we just say that no, we just around. said that it was before. Oh. <laughs> well, yeah, the happening was Crapsville. Yeah, but I was thinking. <laughs> I mean, before that was, was Lady in the Water. The Lady in the Water, which mm-hmm. was uh, not received well, mm-hmm. but uh, I mean, yeah, I, I like that movie. But I like it the too. Point. His movies are don't really flop. You know, they they don't like Last Airbender was made money. Yeah, made, it, I mean, it made a profit. I think After Earth flopped though. Okay, did it? Yeah. Yeah, no, I'm not really sure what the what the ratio of was as far as producers and studio execs and things like that. But right, Shyamalan was big enough. Big, he was a big enough name to that. I'm sure they gave him lots of leeway. Right, and so I mean, yeah, he was a super popular director. Like there was a time where he was the most highly paid screenwriter in Hollywood. Yeah. Which is crazy, and like, especially for the whole criticism of like people not liking his scripts. But it is the thing where it's the direction that saves it, because he always has moments in his films where there's kind of like cringy dialogue, or it's kind of like weird. But the way he has the actor deliver it, or he like inserts it into the scene, it seems totally natural and fits with the characters, and it actually becomes right. like some of my favorite moments where it's like, oh, that yeah. was not realistic dialogue, but it just fits so perfectly in this scene. Right. Yeah, I totally agree. He was not there during the shooting of this movie. <laughs> He's not on his A game. Yeah. No, not at all. And maybe because it was like not a big studio all. movie and he kind of needs a more grounded or limited, I'd say, scenario to set, you know, set his movies up in. And I think that's yeah. what he thrives in. Like he's been doing lately with Glass. I mean, that was self-financed. Yeah. You know? Uh, I think that's where he does thrive in that kind of environment mm-hmm. by the way you still need to see glass you i haven't know, seen I it do. yet have you i oh. still haven't i know oh my gosh i almost went and saw it today actually but oh yeah. really dude you just go see it come on yeah. gotta talk about it <laughs> yeah i'm i'm a big Shyamalan advocate or I, I was like he was one of the actually one of the directors who really got me into filmmaking and i mean i just mm-hmm. remember seeing Sixth Sense and Unbreakable and Signs like pretty early on in high school and just like loving it and like see I always loved on the DVDs how they had some of his own home movies on it and that like kind of inspired me to yeah. see like yeah okay he he came from this humble beginning and like I remember making movies like that and so that was just yeah. always a really encouraging thing and so I was always advocating for him and then The Happening came out and I was like oh well it's alright and then <laughs> Uh, last airbender and i was like i i can't really defend him right now and i knew he was in the slump and then like after earth was like coming out i'm like oh this is it he's gonna be back and i saw it and it was horrible yeah and then mm-hmm. what did he do after that was that the visit he took like a break and then i think uh, he did the visit after earth i think he was like a producer on a few things right i think he directed a tv show like a few episodes of a tv wayward show. pines yeah wayward pines i yeah. didn't see any of that but then i remember watching the visit like 
I didn't go and see it in theaters, but I rented it on Redbox, and I was like, that was one of the biggest pieces of crap I've ever seen. That was a huge waste of time. Even though I only spent like a buck twenty-five on this, I want my money back from how horrible that movie was, and I completely <laughs> lost faith in him. You say that. I haven't seen that one, but that one was that one was reviewed decently. Yeah, it was like a six, sixty-some Rotten Tomatoes. I hated it. I absolutely yeah. hated it. Interesting. And I rarely I see that, that for one. movies where it's like there's just like no redeeming factors in it for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I I gave up on M Night, and now I'm kind of coming back with Split. Um, and I want to see Glass, but mm-hmm. I don't know. I just yeah. miss old old Shyamalan. His career, man, it's just it's unlike any other, almost. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it is. It's kind of a um, I don't know what kind of curve you call it. It's, you know, it's a it's got a swoop. Yeah, you know, he had he came out strong. He's had some real lows, some real low lows, it's but some really lows. He's you know he's done he's done well in the in the recent uh in the recent uh past right so yeah he's he, i think he's coming um, back around i sure hope so but yeah who's i mean who's to say maybe he'll he'll drop off the map again yeah gosh but the good thing is we'll we still have his old movies that we can always watch we do so. yeah and i love his old movies yeah, I think one thing that's really interesting about this film is like just the score as well, because he and James Newton Howard just always work together. Mm-hmm. And it was kind of Very weird cool. to have James Newton Howard do the score for this because he's like one of the last people I would pick for this. And part of yeah. me is just like, why didn't they just use the score from the TV show? Well, you know, that's a good point. I I do support them shaking it up a bit, maybe because. Um, you know, well, with every adaptation, you you want to change things. Mm-hmm. But uh, I don't or, mean like the recordings, but I mean just use the themes from the TV show, make it bigger, make it more orchestral. Or, right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. That probably would have been better. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, don't, I wonder why he decided not to. But yeah, James Newton Howard, you know, now that I think about it, he did Peter Pan, right? Yeah. Kind of a whimsical world. I think. Right. He, he, I think he can do uh, stuff like that. And, and so, yeah, maybe I can see why he would pick him, but um, yeah, the score was okay. It wasn't really there. No, if you listen, I listened much. to it by itself, and it's a it's a good score on its own. But I was like, this seems more like it should be like from Star Wars, or it's very imperial. Mm. It doesn't fit like the Eastern tones of the film at all. Yeah, right. Yeah, probably not very. Uh, not a good, a good diversity of instruments. No, it's yeah. kind of like the classic James Newton Howard setup, right? Which is it's which is still amazing, but yeah. it, I don't think Great. it fits for the movie. No, I agree. So Riley, how would you adapt this movie? <laughs> okay, I mean I've said a few things earlier. The bending, I would make it more quick and more fast paced and cut more often he, he wasn't cutting enough which uh made the you know the sense the suspense of disbelief wasn't really wasn't really there so that's i think a big thing and would help a lot yeah obviously we'd spend more we'd spend more than 30 seconds casting the movie <laughs> <laughs> and actually go through a process and like the fact that they ever considered jesse mccartney is like people are <laughs> mentally unstable or something i mean like what 
on earth yep but um yeah i think i I think the camera work does a lot and it does a lot for the feel and that i think was one of the reasons why it just didn't feel the way the show felt the show was purposefully cinematic yeah i've heard the creators talk a lot about how they would you know reference certain scenes it's like oh we're using this kind of lens here to to give a bigger sense of depth right and that you couldn't really sense that uh, language in the movie there wasn't that sense of of different kinds of angles shots those things were, were really absent so that's one thing i would also uh change i guess get and get rid of andrew lesney i guess <laughs> never thought i'd say that Let's see what else. I if if you're gonna do all of book one in one movie, I would make it longer. I mean, yeah. I'm trying. Although I'm trying to think of what stuff he left out that would have been helpful for it to be in there. Well, the character development. <laughs> yeah, I guess I was just thinking of specific plot elements that they left out. Mm. But yeah, I mean, obviously, a longer runtime would allow for more character development, which is probably the number one problem with right. this movie. Yeah. Well, like the whole bounty hunter stuff, that's in there, right? Where there's like the the girl riding the giant mole. Is that the first season? I thought that was the second season. Oh, maybe And then so. she comes back at the very end. I don't okay. know if that was right off the bat. Hmm. Maybe it was, though. I can't quite remember. Yeah. I just remember there being like this really great pursuit of Aang. And I didn't feel that at all in this movie. Where there's like, there's no immediacy to it. Like they didn't really need to hide a whole lot. And whenever like the Fire Nation would capture him, he could he just break out really easy easily. Like the whole the, the scene with like the blue spirit was just like, oh, you just know he's gonna get out. There was no tension to right. it. Right. How would you fix this movie? Um, <laughs> I think I would actually I would get rid of all of the scenes with Fire Lord Ozai. They don't need to be there at all. Um, I think there's enough immediacy in just kind of the conversations that happens between Zuko and Iroh to make it good and interesting and for you to kind of feel that. I'd probably also leave off all of the the scenes that are in the perspective of uh, Zhao. I don't think that's completely necessary. Mm-hmm. Like, you, they try to make him... Too, they try to give him too much of a character without giving the other characters that as well and just kind of make his death, like, the climax of the movie more so than what it is, you know, than Aang going into the Avatar state. But I think the biggest thing that they really miss out on it, or that just isn't hit in this movie, is kind of the battle that goes on inside of Aang of not wanting to be the Avatar. Because to me, mm-hmm. that's like the most compelling element that of the first season. That is a huge aspect. Yeah. Just because... hero. Yeah, because he's the only only person in the whole entire world who can unite everyone and have this amazing power and he doesn't want to do it and i feel like they just kind of skim over that in the film and he'll be like i just don't know if i can do that and guitar is like you can do it okay i can do it yeah (laughs) okay (laughs) Uh, yeah oh goodness yeah it's there's so many interesting things there because the state of the world is at hand, but yet Avatar is 12 years old, mm-hmm. you know, and he's having to fight Ozai, who's, you know, an adult mm. and is have much more experience. And it's like, yes, he's the Avatar, but he's also 
kid. Right. I love that part of it, too. And even one of my favorite parts about Zuko's character is how he thinks, like, oh, yes, we are the good guys. We are the ones uniting everything. And then it's whenever he discovers, you know, that Fire Lord Ozai is evil and a lot of the Fire Nation is, like, doing these horrible things. And he kind of sees, like, the error of his ways and kind of switches over sides. That's a really compelling Mm -hmm. element to it. That in this, you just kind of see, like, it, it almost seems like Zuko already knows, like, they're the bad guys in a way. Yeah. And so if you had, like, this duality between Aang and Zuko that happens in the show of you just kind of get, like both sides of Aang, the one who is has to be the hero but doesn't want to be, and Zuko, the one who wants to be the hero but can't be, that's the mm. compelling part of it. So if you go and play off of those two, then you'd have an, a, a great movie. Yeah, I think you're, you're right on the nose there. And just make it more cinematic. Make the bending, of course, <laughs> look a lot cooler. <laughs> yes. Oh, gosh. Spend more time on the special effects, too, because they look pretty bad. Mm-hmm. Especially the water. The water looks so horrible. I wonder how many times he watched the show before I don't he know. this movie. I don't know. Yeah. That's a good question. I'd it like is. to sit down and have a talk with him about this and just pick his brains <laughs> about what all was going on. Because they were making the movie as the show was finishing up. Right. Right when the so season, third season was coming out. Right. So that's interesting. Mm-hmm. And the creators have disowned this movie. Yep. The creators of the show. <laughs> Rightfully so. Did you know they're making a live action version for Netflix? I do. Uh, that's going to be weird. I am not really supporting that. No. But I'll probably watch it. Oh, yeah. Me but, too. But why can't they just make another show? Right. Why can't like, they? The this the whole idea of Avatar is great because you can just make keep making more. <laughs> make more and because you can go into get the a past. new Avatar. Right. <laughs> yeah. It's like Doctor Who. Exactly. You know? Like you just get reincarnated. Like I I would watch Avatar for forty more years. Of course. You know? <laughs> you, and of course there would be some bad series that wouldn't be as oh, yeah. good. But then you'd have amazing <laughs> stuff as well. Yeah. And there's there's so much more to be explored. And, you know, it's weird hearing me say that because most of the time I'm like, no, leave it, like, stop. Like, once you make it, like, don't make any more. Mm-hmm. But just the way that this show is it right. just lends itself to, to for more uh, more avatars, you know? Yeah. More types of conflict. I love how, I actually really like how Korra already knew three elements, but there was one element that was tripping her up. Right. That she didn't know. I thought that was really good. Uh, it was very different from Aang's struggle. Mm-hmm. So there's just lots of different things you could do. It's like, come on, just make another show. Yes. Someone would let you do it. Like, they would let him do it. Of course. Of course. And, like, I, one thing I love about Korra is it has a completely different tone than uh, Avatar. Like, the first series, mm-hmm. where it doesn't try to be an exact copy of it. It's like, okay, yeah, we're in a different world, basically. I mean, it's the same exactly. world, but it's like progress like what like i don't know 80 years from the first one or i'm not sure exactly yeah probably something along uh, those lines well, maybe like 60 are... yeah because zuko is still appears oh right and... so it's they have to at least uh yeah maybe like 60 years or something mm-hmm. i don't know yeah but toph is still in it e- even just like with the intro kind of being more like 
has the Atlantic accent and all that, and just being yeah. like, ah, yes, we're here in the picture shows. And... Yes, yes, you see? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I love that. Maybe uh, maybe Shyamalan will make a Korra movie. Oh. And then we'll talk about that. <laughs> mm. Who would you pick to play Korra, then? Good question. Mm. Yeah, Korra's character took me a while to... And I still don't like didn't like her character as much as Aang. Yeah. But... It's still a great show, I thought. Yeah. That's a good question. I don't know who I would cast for her. Does someone stand out for you? N- uh, not really, but yeah, it'll be interesting to figure yeah. that out. I wonder who they're going to pick for the live-action series of Avatar. Yeah, great question. Yeah. And hopefully they learn from Shyamalan's mistakes. I hope. So that's what I'm worried about. Like, you know, obviously, you know, this, this whole series is about adaptations and, like, what what needs to be different about one ad- you know about one medium versus another right and so i hope that they do that well these yeah. guys have never done it they've never done live action yeah i think it's a risky move we'll see <laughs> who knows it could be amazing could be could blow our socks off but i'm also like why knock <laughs> our socks off it's it can blow our socks off <laughs> <laughs> it it almost seems like a disney thing of like oh, okay so we have this this movie in animated form, why do we need it in live action form? If it's just going to be a yeah. TV series. I understand, like, why a movie would be cool. But, like, yeah, I, I, I don't know why we need it. No. I, yeah, I just don't think we do. Netflix, they just, they're trying to, they have a lot of original content, though. I feel like they've got plenty. They don't need another one. No. Just stick with Stranger Things. Yeah, there you go. Anyway. Yep. Uh, should you hit me with it? I'll hit you what, with what it. What you got for me? All right. What you so got? You kind of, you got half of the first question. Um, so the first okay. question was, two famous, uh, or a famous actor and musician were considered for roles in this movie. And you got Justin McCartney. There's one okay. other. Okay. You said, uh, so musician, you said? Justin McCartney was the musician. Oh, so there's just one other... There's an actor, a famous actor one who other is considered actor. for this role. Hmm. I think I only know of Jesse McCartney. Do you do you have a hint available? He couldn't... He wanted to do it, but he couldn't get his head in the game. <laughs> oh, what's his name? Uh, Zac Efron? Yep, that's it. What? <laughs> what yeah for Sokka I believe Sokka I just don't know oh my gosh maybe it would have been worse Jesse McCartney or well that was was for uh, Zuko Zuko. I don't know man I I think having Zac Efron would be more distracting yeah oh definitely I think think we were probably better off with what we got than with a forgettable forgettable guy yeah all right Question number two. What was the name of M. Night Shyamalan's first film? I know two of his early ones. I'm trying to think of which one's first. Mm-hmm. It's kind of a weird one. It has to do with a nun, I believe. Yep. Um, Wide Awake? Nope. That would be the second one. Oh, dang it. It's Praying with Anger. Yes. Oh, dang I just got those mixed up. Okay. Yep. You got it. Yeah, it's with, uh, is it Rosie O'Donnell? I think so, yeah. <laughs> Good old Turk. I think I have seen that. Have you seen that one? I haven't. No, I, think I, I didn't. I never knew it was a Shyamalan though. Mm. But 
Yeah, it didn't really feel like one. I saw it a long time ago. Yeah. Hmm. Crazy. I'd like to see it. Uh, just kind of yeah. find his roots. Yeah. Right, exactly. Cool. All right, third question. Aang's teacher, Monk Gyatso, is named after a real person. Who would that be? Hmm. It is a current influential person. Okay. Bill Gates. <laughs> nope. <laughs> I, don't know, I was like, like Gyatso Gates. I was like, eh. it's yeah, it's a title. Um, so Gyatso is part of the name. Oh, Dalai Lama. Yes. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. And now your challenge. Okay. So I, I studied something. Let's see if this was what it was. <laughs> okay. Uh, <laughs> so I'm actually having to do this a, a bit differently. I have ten questions here, but they're um, kind of spread up. So this is going into like the lore of avatar and especially like the bending aspects of it so okay there's there's two parts to these questions for each of the four elements so okay who taught the element and what was like the martial arts source of the element so like where did the humans originally learn the bending from like what creature and then what was like the yeah martial arts source for okay. the moves that they used right okay let's start with water mm-hmm. the original waterbender was the moon it was and the style was i think tai chi that's it okay awesome nice okay uh for fire the original firebender was not the sun, but it was the dragons. That is based on Shaolin Kung Fu? Yeah, Northern like Shaolin. Northern Shaolin? Mm-hmm. Northern Shaolin, okay. Air, so the uh, the uh, bison, the flying bison, yep, sky were bison. the sky bison, the original airbenders. That's based on, ooh, this is trickier. That's not, it's not a type of Kung Fu, I don't think. Um, is it something called Hama? No. Uh, well, let me come back to that. The earthbender, original earthbender was the badger mole. Yep. Oh, wait. Oh, the airbending was Bagua. Yeah. Bagua Zhang. Bagua Zhang. Okay. Yep. All right. This is tough. Okay. Uh, Let's see. It's very strong, very sturdy, low to the ground. Mm Mm-hmm. Is it... I want to say it's a variation of Kung Fu. It it is. like southern... Mm -mm. Mm-mm. This, okay. Um... No, I already said Tai Chi. Mm-hmm. Um, you got it right with it being a source, uh, a style of Kung Fu. Right. Just what was the variation? What was it? I'll at least give you a half a point for getting it as Kung Fu. Getting Kung Fu. Okay. Yeah, I just don't know if I can get... Yeah, I guess I can't get it. Hungar. So we... Hungar. That's right. Mm-hmm. All right. Hungar. And then two other questions relating to bending. Um, okay. So there's lots of like sub bending now, like metal bending and all that sort of stuff. What element doesn't have a sub bend? Okay, so metal bending is a variation of earth. Blood bending is a variation of water bending. Uh, magma bending was a variation of fire. So I believe it's air. Yep. All right. It's the only one that doesn't have it. And last question: What did the first Avatar learn bending from? Um, okay, I think it was the lion turtle? Yep. Woo! 
nice dude you nailed Damn. that man <laughs> i've seen the show three times oh nice yeah. nice yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay actually i kind of want to challenge you on one of those questions even though i got it right but okay. i think the flying i think airbending you can actually fly with that and didn't they consider that kind of a because like zahir he was able just to straight up fly oh you're right Do you remember that Mm. And I don't, they didn't really talk about that as like a sub form of bending, but like that's right. kind of what I always thought of it in my mind. Cause mm. I remember that was a crazy moment whenever he was like on a cliff and he just like jumped off and it was just soaring. He True. didn't have any, have any kind of glide or anything. Mm. Yeah. But yeah, I don't know. it might just be being a nitpicky, but anyway, yeah, I love all the sub forms of bending. It's so cool. Yeah. It's awesome. The lightning yeah. bending is amazing. Yeah. Oh yeah, lightning. That's kind of the f- first and foremost sub mm-hmm. form of bending. I was thinking of, is it a what's his name? Ba. Start with a B in Legend of Korra. The stockier guy. Oh. Because he's he first magma bends right. Yeah. Oh wait, but he's an earthbender. I feel like it could go either way. Probably it's kind of meets him right in the middle. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> They're both bendent. Ooh. Right. Mixed bending. <laughs> nice. But yeah. Cool. Of Coro was a great one too. Yeah. So you'll just watch that. Good job with that, man. That was well, awesome. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Right. And I think uh uh what's her name? Toph had like they even they brought in another guy to kind of to come up with a variation of earth bending, especially yeah. for her. It was like praying mantis style. Yep. Because she does it she like holds her hands kind of up and over and weird ways yeah kind of, yeah it does weird things like that and i guess you guys can't see what i'm doing but, yeah <laughs> uh, i look Just like a praying man waving his hands around <laughs> so but yeah all of that is just to say that all of the care that and attention they put into the show that just didn't, didn't make its there. way to the movie nope yeah no well we fi- we got past it uh it was physically <laughs> painful to watch this movie but we did it yeah was we covered it yeah. and do you want to tease what to our about it. our next episode is so we're talking about the sci-fi classic blade runner yes 1982 i believe i think so so we've got a special friend of both of ours that i've actually known for a long time mm-hmm. uh and we're excited to have him on this is his favorite movie and he's a how would you describe him he's a been a video professional in the industry for a while and mm-hmm. his taken up teaching in the past 10 years or so yeah yeah steve snedeker steve snedeker one of the biggest cinephiles i know yeah so that's gonna be a fun episode it's gonna be it'll probably be about four hours long yep probably so uh just get ready for that (laughs) it may be a three-parter yep (laughs) yep read read philip k dick's short story first or novel i guess technically yes do androids dream of electric sheep yeah really Mm -hmm. good book I, i enjoyed that read yeah it's really interesting but, i'm excited to cover mm-hmm. this one yeah me too one of my favorites i love blade runner oh it's one of awesome. my favorites it's so good so, oh, i'm really excited because i have it on 4k blu-ray oh, so you son of a gun <laughs> come visit me connor we'll watch it oh we'll watch it yeah <laughs> sounds good <laughs> yeah cool yeah well we got to right. say a thanks to uh john skinner for the graphic and to luke hogan and caden reed for the use of the theme song and that they created for us and yeah Mm. this has been film analysis for a modern audience 
Yes, sir. Until next time, my name's Riley Hardy. Mine is Connor Reed. We'll see ya. Bye-bye. Mm-hmm.